Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about things that we don't know about holy water. Yeah, we're going to share with you some things you've never learned about holy water, like that there's multiple types, how it's used in the church, how it's blessed, and much more. Vidiaquam egredentem de templo aletare dextro alleluia et omnes ad quos pervenit aqua ista salvi facti sunt et dicent alleluia alleluia amen Back to the studio, guys. Looking forward to this episode. Maybe I think you bless water. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, the the vidiaquam is actually like an optional chant that you can sing at a baptism. Like definitely from Easter until Pentecost. Um, it's something that is in the missal still that that was retained uh, through the different translations of Vatican II. But this is the translation. I saw water flowing out of the temple from its right side. Alleluia. And all to whom this water came were saved, and they shall say, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. Oh, isn't, that, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, That's it is. Awesome. That's from Ezekiel 47, and, okay. and it's really been in the, in the tradition of the church for quite a while. Gotcha. You know, talking about the tradition of the church, I, I don't think there's anything that the popular culture and the awareness of the Catholic Church associates more with her than holy water, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's you know, the blessings with holy water or fighting vampires with holy water or baptisms or there's so many ways the Catholic church uses holy water, but how many people, how many times has anyone really considered both the graces, the theology, uh, the efficacy of holy water and all the interesting historical facts and the uses around it? It's not, you know, it's something you take for granted. You walk in, dip your hand, sign of the cross and, yeah. and you're on your way. Mm-hmm. But holy water is an incredibly powerful sacramental in the mm -hmm. church. And I think that's a really good point to start with, Sheil, because I think we could look at the holy water, associate it with baptism and say it's a sacrament. Mm -hmm. But there's a distinction to be made. The water itself is not the sacrament. The action of baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in respect to water being poured upon or the immersion in the waters of baptism, it's that action itself, which is a fulfillment of the commissioning of Jesus Christ to go out to all nations and baptize. So holy water itself is blessed and holy, but it's the action that we take as Catholics, whether it's through a ritual or a sacrament, where that the power of that holy water is now manifest. Exactly. And so even in respect to other sacraments that we celebrate, the use of holy water is absolutely applicable and should be used mm-hmm. in all due respect. Right. So, I mean, when are some other times that holy water is used? I mean, you're looking at baptisms, you're looking at confirmations, you're Blessing looking yourself at mass. Yep. You're looking at uh, the anointing of the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at the blessing of the wedding rings during the wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. and the, the yep. uh, rite of marriage. I mean, holy water is throughout all the sacraments used as a sacramental and more in the home mm-hmm. at mass as blessing. And, and in all due respect, each and every liturgy that we celebrate, 
the priest as presider has the option to utilize holy water. And in the history of the church, holy water was used to sprinkle people as they were walking into the church very, very liberally. Mm -hmm. So it can be, it can be used very solemnly within the celebration of a mass or a solemnity like Easter or Pentecost, but really any mass, you have the option to utilize holy water in a solemn manner or even in a liberal manner. You know, when, when people were coming far from, you know, think about this, you're walking for miles to get to your church, you know, because you, you live out in, in a yeah. rural area, but you're walking into the city. And it, sometimes it took you an hour, hour and a half to make it to mass. And you would walk there, you'd be sweaty, it would be hot. And then people would be outside sprinkling you with holy water as you entered into the church, calling to mind your baptism, calling to mind your promises, the sacrament that initiated you in your life of Christ, and and refreshing, that refreshing feeling of the holy water sprinkling you would be incredible. Yeah, and, and in the Latin Mass, I mean, it's common, it's the asperges, you know, yes. and they, they have the aspergillium, and they walk down the aisle, and they, they hit you with it, you, oh, yeah. get, you get blast in the eye with holy water, or if you don't get hit with the holy water, you're like... Uh oh, what did I do wrong? You know, you start to feel. <laughs> what about like a personal use where you're doing it like in your house or mm -hmm. something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, like I've heard people say, hey, I don't feel right in this house. I'm now shaking holy water. And I highly recommend that. And for, for a father of a household to take authority over his household, over his children, especially a father and a mother, you know, to bless your children, it is absolutely right and just and absolutely approved by the church for you to bless your homes and to bless your children. It's important to realize that I always try to, uh, you know, remind and and exercise my role as as a teacher during the sacrament of baptism to say, hey, you're going to sign the cross on your forehead of your children or your godchild. You are now commissioned with that authority for that blessing and to use that blessing liberally and regularly. In that sense. Yeah. And I think it's it's a great thing to have a holy water font, you know, by, by your door, you know, get the holy water from the church. And as you come in and as you go out, bless mm -hmm. yourself with it. And, you know, most households in the past had that. And I don't see it as much anymore, but Neither I mean, it's something I. that, you know. I, I recommend every mm -hmm. house. We ha my grandmother had it. I still remember yeah. very, very fondly, you know, that that she always had holy water when mm -hmm. you were going in and out of the garage. Um, and she even had one at the front door as well. Um, it's a beautiful tradition. We need to bring it back. So for our listeners out there on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if you've got it, take a picture of your of your little font, post it in our feed. If you don't have it, order one on Amazon, set it up, take a picture, put it on our feed. And if this is a devotion that was in your family and in your grandparents' life or, or your parents, let us know the story of your holy water fonts and the use of holy water that, that you've experienced in your journey. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as if you're viewing our content on YouTube, don't waste any moment. Subscribe, click the button with the bell next to it, and every time we produce a show, it will populate in your feed. We wouldn't be able to do this show and produce, you know, the effective ministry that we do each and every week without our patrons. If you're considering to be a financial contributor to the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic talk show. There you'll see every way that you could support us financially. And we have some cool memorabilia to share with you. And I don't know, maybe we could do like a little. Uh... Well, we do have tiers that have Lord's water. Really? Oh, really? But we'll get to that There's later. There's a distinction There's to be made there. Mm-hmm. So as we get this episode, you know, really along this way, let's take a look at where holy water comes from, the use of holy water, right? Um, 
the use of holy water goes all the way back to Old Testament times. Uh, one of the things that I always thought was interesting is that when the Romans conquered Judea, one of the things they thought the, the very strangest about the Jewish people was they're in the middle of a desert and there is not a lot of water. And the Romans said, water, you know, the Roman aqueduct systems, how important oh, water yeah. was. And they look at these people and they're like, they have no water, but they use it for consistently bathing and washing and purification. They thought it was so strange and so wasteful. But to the Jewish people, holy water was really a sign of, of both recreation as, you know, in Genesis, God moving over the water. It, it recalled the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, there's so many different uh, stories about water. And the, holy, the Old Testament in the book of Numbers specifically references holy water. So in the, in the Jewish um, temple... They, there was a, there's a lot of uses for holy water. There's a massive uh, bowl, you know, cistern out front to wash before you went in. But in the Bible, they specifically mention holy water. Mm -hmm. And that's in Numbers 5, 17. And it's basically talking about, and this is, this is a pretty interesting thing when I was looking into holy water for this episode, is that the only time it mentions the words holy water, they mention water a bunch of times, but specifically like a holy water for a purpose is in Numbers 5 when it is a almost a trial of a woman suspected of adultery, mm. okay? So the priest would make her hold water and the priest would put curses and solemn vows in writing and then she would wash off the writing with the water and then turn it into like a water of bitterness, they would call it. And then she would be, she would have to drink it. Mm. And if she drank it, she was bringing a curse onto herself because of her lies and her shame and her infidelity. Wow. Now, what's really interesting about that, though, is how it relates to the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. Where the woman at the well. That beautiful connection. And I've never made that connection no, before. Yeah. But the woman at the well, Jesus is like, will you bring me water? Wow. And the woman at the well, we all know, Jesus says, well, no, you're right. You have no husband. And mm -hmm. the man you live with mm -hmm. now is not your husband. And he didn't even need the water to be brought to him. And he didn't have to do the, the ritual to know and pass that uh, judgment. Mm -hmm. But then he said, you know, I am the living water yes. that you'll never be thirsty again. Oh. And I thought that was so interesting. And I'd like to read more into that. But the only mention of holy water is about a trial of a suspected adulterer and there's a known adulterer and he doesn't put her through the trial but gives her living water wow cool look at that the fulfillment of the law and and love and mercy meeting the iniquities of mankind and our humanity like jesus washing away you, I, I just can't get that image out of my head like the ink and the iniquity the bitterness of that water and having to drink it he makes that new too as well the use of water oh mm -hmm. man now, in the church, the, the, traditionally, the use of holy water goes back to Matthias, right? And Matthias was one of the first ones to recommend what we would almost use or consider the modern Catholic usage of holy water. And Matthias was the replacement of Judas, right? Again, it's that symbology of being reborn. Mm -hmm. um, and the earliest mention of it in church is in the third century, you know, which is in a document that kind of evolved from the Didache, Right. And they, you know, and all the uses that we consider for holy water now are in there, you mm -hmm. know. So this is something of antiquity from the very, very yeah, beginning. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and to even see the practices, what you were expressing to Sheil was, you know, how how much of the ritual washing, and you can read this all in Leviticus. It's in Numbers. It's it's scattered throughout the Old Testament, and we know that. But you know, like the unclean, you know, leprosy when when a woman would go through her menstrual cycle, childbirth, any form of like uh, contact with a dead body, a a pus, you know, pus that comes, any type of inner fluid that comes out of the body, whenever you have contact with that you're considered unclean and you have to go through a sense of ritual washing. Yeah. But this ritual washing was being practiced, uh, you know, in, in many, many uh, penitential ways and austere ways, especially with with respect to uh, findings of the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran and, you know, the communities uh, that that allegedly like John the Baptist would have belonged to and where he was actually baptizing the Essene community, which is, was a celibate order of men and women that were practicing ritual washing regularly in what was called mitzvahs. They were constantly immersing themselves in water and living penitential lives, removing themselves from the sins of Jerusalem and living austerely in the desert near the Dead Sea. So we could see that you know, leading up to the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the use of water by John the Baptist is very, very important, which is obviously in the Gospel of Matthew. It, you know, it's very, very clear that John was baptizing with water. We all know that as Catholics. We all know that as scriptural scholars. You know, for people that are, you know, not Catholic that are listening to the show, we all remember John the Baptist was baptizing with water. And he says, one who is greater than I, who I don't have the word, you know, I have no worth to untie his sandal. He's going to come and baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and realizing that the practice of baptism that was taking place preceding the public ministry of Jesus and even during his ministry was very, very relative to uh, Jesus's own time and his contemporary practices of religiosity and, and washing. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys know that there's more than one type of holy water? Well, because you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, we can say, well, it's holy water, you know, but there is basically different. Um, if you're a scotch drinker, you know, there's different blends, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, holy water is not single malt, as it were, right? <laughs> so there's different blends that are used for different purposes. There's the common holy water, right, that, you know, you can, any, you know, priest can bless. And then there's the... Um, there's holy water that is mixed with consecrated salt. There's holy water that is mixed with anointing oil, wine, and even ashes, right? Mm. So water with salt is used in blessings, right? Mm. Water with oil is used in baptisms. Water with ashes and wine is what's used when they consecrate a new church. And all of them have a lot of... uh you know, symbology as to why, right? You know, ashes and wine, you know, the work of human hands, and then to dust to dust, this building won't last. And baptism, that water and oil with the the, um, consecration, you know, and that anointing, water with salt as a purification, and the salt is exercise salt. There's even, there was even um, holy water that was um, blessed on Epiphany, where after, you know, Epiphany tide, you know, that's when families would traditionally get their holy water for in their homes. And it was, uh, you know, a very solemn Vespers consecration. It was a big deal. Now, we don't do that anymore, which is a shame. We really should get back to that, that communal aspect of holy water, that it flows from the font of the church into the homes and creates that 
that continuity between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you use holy water at all, Delacross? No. Um, I did get a font, and uh, but we don't have holy water at the church because it's the uh, yeah. and all that. Yeah. But, um, I did get a font, and I think uh, I would need to, and I put it up real high because I don't like kids ripping it off. The wall. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's <laughs> some complications there, but I, I probably should. I probably will after this. Yeah. Well, well, there's know? there's a couple reasons that it's probably a good idea to keep it up high, right? Uh, <laughs> well, if you want to, any priest will take some water. The priest will bless sure, it sure, for sure, you, yeah. but. You know, keeping it down low where kids can get to it. You know, I always hear the question, well, can you drink holy water? And Father Rich, can you drink holy water? You can use holy water and bless your food and bless, you know, so ultimately it can be it can be used for consumption. But, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be like, you know, let Hydration. me let me start my day and hydrate and and and, you know, drink a gallon of holy water uh, to start my day. And here's a, here's a good reason, especially not from the font at the church, okay? <laughs> there was a study done where they took a bunch of, they took water samples from a bunch of churches in Australia. Mm-hmm. And typically most fonts in America, they'll use, um, you know, antiseptic things in the water. But they found that 80%, 86% of all the water in Australia had fecal matter in it. That's gross. And no one going into people, the Delacrosse yeah. house with, uh, you know, those guys. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, walk around with a black light. It looks so like a crime scene. <laughs> what you can do with the kids and the family is, you know, keep the holy water font up high. But then, you know, get like a little aspergillum and then just sprinkle or sprinkle your kids, you know. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I bless them. Sometimes, you yeah. know, before they go to bed and stuff like that. So I could probably just bring up a water bottle and use, Absolutely. use it, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the look on y'all's face is like, golly, you can't even deploy holy water in your house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just picturing, you know, because you've got such a funny story with the aspergillum at the uh, at, at the seminary, yeah, you know, which is just such a hilarious story. But uh, I'm just picturing you, you know, sprinkling at home and the same thing happening. <laughs> you know, I here's another thing that I think we see too much of is kind of the the um, the base use of holy water. You'll see priests using like super soakers and stuff like that, and I always see that. And I just think it's super. So- I've never seen. It happens. It happens, it happens no, a lot. Well, on. especially Dude, it, it, it went lot. viral on Facebook, and it was during the co- during COVID. And I got so many messages. Hey, ideas, and it is just like absolutely irreverent. Like it, is. it was not. That's not called for. And it's not even. It's not even funny. You know, no, like and not. and you shouldn't be drawing that together with something so sacred, especially for, for baptism. But, you know, there are, there are, you know, beautiful, 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 uh, ways to distribute holy water for communally. Mm -hmm. Palms. I like palms. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, traditionally they would use hyssop, right? Yep. And that's, that goes back to the asperges where it's, you know, it's kind of like a palm. It's kind of like a palm and it's just like, Mm -hmm. and it's better. I think it, it, it's, Spreads it a lot more evenly, just mm-hmm. practically speaking. Yeah, it's it's nature's aspergillium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and even like the broom, which I encountered for the first time in Poland, you know, oh, especially they, yeah. in Poland, 
where I, where I visited, we all bought one, you know, because <laughs> I mean, the way that these priests would like whip it up in the air and it would just like sprinkle Cover down everybody. on everybody, you know, sometimes people on the edge would like get loaded up because it's a lot of water, it absorbs a lot of water. Yeah, it's you know? like a Gallagher show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like just the front rows along the aisle have to wear yeah, like a plastic. plastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the intention of you know what you were sharing before is that there there are different applicable you know applications of different prayers over water used for specific purposes yeah. you know for for baptism for personal use for your family you know exorcisms, for exorcisms exorcisms you know and something that I came across which was really interesting that all the way back uh, you know to the fourth century um, you know this formula. Uh, from a pontifical was used, you know, pretty extensively. We bless these creatures in the name of Jesus Christ, thy only son. We invoke upon this water and this oil. They, they blessed oil. And this is during mass, the name of him who suffered, who was crucified, who arose from the dead and who sits at the right of the uncreated, which I think that's what a beautiful uh, yeah. reflection that is. Grants unto these creatures the power to heal May all fevers, every evil spirit, and all maladies be put to flight by him who either drinks these beverages or is anointed with them, and may they be a remedy in the name of Jesus Christ, thy only Son. Amen. You know, to the fact that this was used extensively, you know, in, in the Syriac rites, and Eastern rite, and even into the Latin rite, and as a practice, is just really, really powerful. And these have sentiments of the prayer that I'm going to pray over this water and salt as creatures. So some of the terminology of, of um, you know, the exorcism prayers that I'll say in just a little bit uh, have like some of the connotations uh, attached to that. Yeah. Now, th that's one of those. There's, you mentioned a couple things that are uses of holy water. One of them in there is that demons, even the devil himself, will flee from holy water. In the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila, Avila yeah. uh, the devil appeared to her and tormented her, and she had holy water by her, and she's like, she said she threw the holy water in the direction of the devil, and he never reappeared. He disappeared, fled, and never came back. I got mm -hmm. a story. Uh, when I was living in D.C. like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. Father McEwen was a friend of mine in the seminary mm -hmm. at the time, Kevin McEwen, mm -hmm. and... He came to my house and we were just staying up, catching up, you know, and he was telling me about a guy that was coming to his parish who, I guess the word he used was infestation. It wasn't possession. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things. Anyways, um, after he came a few times, he realized that he was abused as a child. Uh, his parents were satanic, ritualistic people, um, and he, he was led to the church for help. And at one point, he went to give him holy water and he, he was like kind of blocking himself and saying, no, I don't want to. And so Father McEwen kind of forced the issue and he gave him a bottle of it. And when it touched his hands, he said it felt like ants were climbing on his hand and he mm. started convulsing. So if you don't believe in the power of holy water, even as a, you know, I mean, let's not wait till that, you right. know, but like, you know, <laughs> like if you don't believe in the power of holy water is like kind of like an affront to evil. Um, it seems so simple, but yet it's so powerful. Mm. Yeah, it's like a good baseline, like, you know, hey, well, you take a baby aspirin every day, you know, it's yeah. it, not and not have to wait to open heart surgery, you know, right, it's, it's right. a preventative action. Uh, another thing 
is before we leave uh, St. Teresa of Avila, she said, you know, like the cross and our, our own personal suffering, like the communion that we have with the cross repels Satan, but even, and then he returns, but even more so holy water using holy water repels evil spirits in, in a much more powerful way. And I've experienced with uh, Father McEwen as well, different uses of holy water where there was infestation or, or some type of uh, association with darkness in people's homes or, mm-hmm. or, and, and I'm telling you, once they use all they they come back and they're like, father, I haven't had that experience at all. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's very important to use holy water. Absolutely. And then here's another use for holy water. And that is for the forgiveness of venial sins. Mm-hmm. Now you think, well, how can uh, you know holy water forgive you of a sin, right? How what? How can that? Isn't that like a magic spell? I think non-Catholics would look at that and say, well, that's mumbo jumbo. But Aquinas says this, um, you know, in the Summa, part three eighty-seven, and I hope I got mm-hmm. that right. If I mm-hmm. didn't, forgive me. Um, but basically. The act of blessing yourself with a sacramental, it almost constitutes in and of itself two things. Number one, a rejection of sin because you're taking a conscience, a conscious action, but then also a form of penance because you are submitting yourself to another, you know, a another recalling of your baptism and taking a penitential action and blessing yourself with holy water. Mm-hmm. So that venial sin, so if you're not aware of a mortal sin, and you, but you are aware of venial sins before confession, I'm sorry, before communion, that's sprinkling with the holy water or, you know, in the order of the mass or, an act of a or blessing mm-hmm. yourself in an act of contrition will remit wow. venial sins. Mm-hmm. Y'all should hear that yeah. out there. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to think that baptism is a renunciation of sin. So that, that is, that yeah. is a part of, it's a profession of faith. You're calling to mind in faith that my life has been conformed in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit amen, that, that is such a consolation, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to experience your reaction to what was just said is like, this is a consolation that this could wash me of my sin in the sense of Psalm, Psalm 50, you know, thoroughly wash me, O Lord, from my sin. In, in that sense, it is a consolation. Teresa of Avila's exact quote, which, which calls to mind the, the consolation as well, I have myself felt an extraordinary consolation when I have used holy water. It is certain that I have felt a great joy and inner peace, which I cannot describe, a joy with which my soul was quite refreshed. Think of that refreshment of baptism, the baptismal identity, refreshing. This is not merely an effect of imagination, nor a rare occurrence. I have experienced it frequently and paid special attention to it. On these occasions, I feel like one who's suffering intense thirst takes a glass of water and is quite refreshed. From this, we can see how important everything instituted by the church is. It comforts me to see the great power which her blessing imparts to water. So great is the difference between blessed and unblessed water. Mm. You know, and, and along with Teresa of Avila, there are so many saints with stories of oh. holy water. So many uh, saints associated with water. I mean, obviously John the Baptist. But uh, yeah, holy water in the lives of the saints, you'll see so many times where they have a, I don't want to say devotion to holy water, but they have a real habit of relying on it as a sacramental. Now, here's an interesting thing. When does holy water not become holy water after it's been mixed, right? So you have a font in the church, and every time, you know, water evaporates, right? 
at what point does holy water not become holy water? Mm-hmm. And uh, according to the church, you can mix holy water. So if in your font you have, I don't know, 10 gallons, you are allowed to add up to 49% more of unblessed water, and it still retains the properties of holy water. Mm-hmm. So you can basically... You know, again, blend your holy water and expand it without having to re-bless it. Mm-hmm. The principle, and it's like the same with like uh, beeswax candles, right? Mm-hmm. You can have candles, you know, in the church, they can be, you know, soy or whatever, but they have to be at least 51% of beeswax. And that's kind of a principle you'll see a lot in the church with sacramentals is that they retain their holy properties as long as they're not superseded mm-hmm. superseded by another blending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to to just call to mind that there are blessings of candles, mm-hmm. blessings of oil, blessings of salt, blessing of water, food, food that that your priest can do for you. You know that I, I loved, loved, loved at one of my parishes for Thanksgiving. Everybody brought their food, and I blessed their food at Easter. They brought their food. I blessed their food. Christmas brought their food. I bl- That's you know, a big tradition by us. My mom yeah. brings the Easter basket up. Every year, yeah. and it's blessed. Everyone's I wish we had that here, but if we, we're such a young mission, yeah. it's like we've got to develop these cultures. Well, I think you know the priest over there. I do. Yeah. I can talk to him. I'll yeah. talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the, my favorite stories about holy water is how proud Benedict XVI was that he was the first person blessed in the water after Easter. So in the old days, and I don't know if your parish does this, but some of them will still do, they will drain the holy water font uh, at Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. and fill it with sand because there is no baptisms during Lent. Mm-hmm. And then on, um, you know, on Holy Saturday, I believe they would remove the sand and fill it back up with water. And Pope Benedict has said this multiple times, how he was baptized on Easter morning and he was the first one baptized in this newly, you know, minted vintage of holy water. And that was something that stuck with him his whole life. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, that's a cool story that gets into maybe his personality mm-hmm. and his, mm-hmm. you know, his love for the church. Mm-hmm. Some some parishes uh, do not observe that tradition. Um, they do baptisms. You have you have pastoral you know option to yeah. do baptisms, um, you know, for specific need. But for sure. me personally, I I don't like it's it's left to the pastor. It's a lot of sand. You guys have a big. Well, we do. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> we'll we'll consider what we can do. But um, but yeah, like we we don't do baptisms until Easter. Yeah. You know, and and we try to stay strict to that unless there's a a, a specific urgent need. Sure. Um, obviously, that, you and can then, put a do not cross line up. You know, like. <laughs> You know, caution church, do not church, cross. Caution no church. Oh, Lord, I just almost knocked over your microphone. Yeah, yeah. Caution, <laughs> caution, fecal matter suspected. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but here's the thing with sacramentals, right? God, again, I've said this so many times on the show, God doesn't need anything. God gives us things that are familiar to us. I mean, even in becoming truly present in the work of human hands in bread and wine, right? These are things that, number one, nourish our soul or water, that things are fundamental to life. He's using the common elements just like he uses our common elements to, you know, exercise his mission in the world, exercise his blessing and his mercy on us through things that are common to us. It doesn't have to be these obscure, you know, very hard to find, you know, uh, you know, Himalayan 
mountain goat horn, right? Like you'll see in where you have things. to journey like years to be able to get to this one little product that you can have God's blessing. Yeah, or the eye of the newt and a tail of a tiger who was caught in a cemetery on the fourth week of the year. Like, but look at look at common elements. That's it, and and it's like you know where do we worship? Well, we worship. In Jerusalem, we have to pilgrimage to Jerusalem to properly worship God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Jesus. He's, you know, and, and that being torn down and now the spirit of worship is in his temple, the body mm-hmm. that we participate in as mystical members of. Mm-hmm. Now worship takes place in common respect to something so accessible to all people right. of all economical status that even the poorest of the poor Bread and wine, water and salt, water, salt, mm-hmm. candle, oil, mm-hmm. these these sacramentals and these sacraments are now accessible to all people of all nations so that we may properly worship God. And that through these gifts, it's not that we're that we're doing this for God. God is doing this for us. It's like God didn't make the Sabbath for him, like he made it, he made it for us. And that's the whole structure of the church. So like Teresa of Avila is saying, like, we need to, we need to explore yeah. everything in the church that, that is a sacramental and, and devotional. Mm-hmm. I still think, and we mentioned this about a year and a half ago, I still think that on some occasion you should skydive through a, a rainstorm. And then as you're going through the clouds, bless the clouds and turn them all into rain and exercise the entire uh, northern Northern Florida area. Maybe we could get a sponsorship through Red Bull, and I could get one of those squirrel suits. <laughs> squirrel suit. I would definitely be down. So if anybody uh, from Red Bull's listening, I'm down. Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> gives you wings. Not a sponsor of ours. So YouTube, that is not a paid advertisement. Real, real quick, you got salt out. What's the difference between salt and holy water? I mean, where's the distinction there so that holy water can be more defined? I think the the uses of it, right? Mm-hmm. Holy salt. Now, if you don't have holy salt, holy salt is amazing for blessing and protecting your home. Salt is a... Put it around the outside. Around Mm -hmm. the outside, around perimeters. You know, salt is... One of the things that... Like, have you ever heard, like, the tradition that you knock over salt, you throw it over your shoulder? Yeah. You know, that's a superstition, but the idea is that it's so white, so pure, and in in the old, you know, in antiquity, salt was refrigeration, right? You die without salt. It's preservative. And the thought was, this is something so pure that not even decay can touch it, right? Gotcha. And the idea is that decay cannot, the decay of sin cannot cross that threshold. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's really, I think salt is typically used more for protection and for exorcism. Okay. And, and it's, it's, it's like a ton of references uh, to the old Testament and well, and, and like, as it relates to the covenant too. Um, So Levitical priesthood under Moses identifies salt with the covenant. Every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Um, You know, the sprinkling of salt. Uh, Now the men of the city have said to Elisha, behold, the situation of the city is pleasant. My Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. He said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have made this water wholesome. Henceforth, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been made wholesome to this day, according to the word which Elisha, the prophet, spoke. So it's like cleansing, <laughs> preserving, you know, and and I mean, that's that's about, that's about making fruitful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it also calls to mind, you know, the bitter waters of the Red Sea, right? And there, there's a lot of allegory to it. Um, but holy water is a thing that I think in it typifies movement and refreshing, whereas salt is protecting. Gotcha. So that, mm-hmm. but that is why, you know, if you see here, and if you're not, if you're just listening, we have a bowl of water and a bowl of salt on the table because for today's Inquisition, we're going to have you, if you would, show everyone how holy water is confected, how it is made, you know, um, and what the, the ritual is and how you turn salt and water into something that is a sacramental that carries with it the, the power to forgive venial sins and the protection against dark forces. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, and I'm very, very happy to do that as well, I'd like to extend a blessing to our sponsor, Hallow. Hallow is the number one prayer and meditation app in the App Store. Take a moment, check them out. You won't regret it. You know, Ryan Delacrosse has shared so thoroughly this app with all of his family and everybody that he meets. He's like a missionary of the Hallow Hallow app. And, you know, there's Lexio Divina, there's gospel reflections, there's all sorts of contemplative prayer thing to kind of draw you down into that sense of calm and that rest. Uh, So check out Hallow. Yeah, I love Hallow for driving. You know, for me, you know, it's a centering, peaceful thing. And you, seven kids, it's a way to um, just yeah to be able there. to do anything. You know, it's uh, ten minutes a day. You know, it's the best ten minutes of my day. I always draw from that wellspring. And, yeah, and I can't. I mean, and I sometimes I want to do it twice. You know, mm-hmm. want to do one in the morning mm-hmm. and one in the evening. But haven't been there yet. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get there. <laughs> All Dr- right. Drawing into the contemplative prayer, what Hallow helps with is just so important because ultimately God wants us to be brought into His rest and to enter into His mercy to enter in through these sacramentals, through these devotions, through sprinkling of holy water, sprinkling of salt, to rest in the favor and the covenant of God and to preserve that covenant in a world that wants to strip it away and take it away, the powers of darkness that disturbs us, that guides us away from communion with God and one another. So it is a a joy to uh, extend blessing to this salt and water. So now before you do that, Mm -hmm. you just put on uh, a garment. Mm-hmm. Explain what that is and why you did that. So the, the stole is worn by a priest. Uh, you know, it, it's a sign of authority and communion with the high priest that is Jesus Christ. It's not my blessing, but his blessing. Uh, he has clothed me with a robe of salvation. Um, in, in that respect, I have a responsibility to extend by the authority, which is Christ's, that I share in. Uh, specific blessings and the celebration of rituals that bear power and effect. So, you know, the, the, the stole sacraments. Yeah. The stole is a sign of that. The vestments are a sign of that. And, you know, so when you wear white, white is, is used for many different respects. So say I'm in the, in the hospital and I need to do a wedding, you know, and, and, and to pray wedding. So I, I put it on white, you know, if I'm blessing, you know, a car, someone's house, I wear white. Uh, if on the other side, you have uh, purple. So purple is used um, in the sense of negative grace. Positive grace is white. Negative grace is something that takes away. When you take away sins, mm-hmm. for example, um, when you anoint someone, you you are taking away, you're absolving sin. So in the so sense you would of wear that in the theological, yeah, I would wear this in the confessional. Typically, I wear an alb and, and a that, stole. Yeah. Um, so this is really used when you're mobile as a priest and, mm-hmm. and you're going to visit someone in a pastoral situation where you're not 
in a sanctuary or a church or or a uh, you know a, a, a sense of a holy holy ground. Vestments on the go. Yeah, vestments on the go. <clears throat> vestments on the go. So um, that's when purple would be used. So you know these theological terms of positive grace and negative grace it, in the big picture of things, and just you know it's all good. Yep. You know it's all good uh, because it takes away sins. And then our communion, when I'm distributing Holy Communion to someone sick, it's white, you know, where it's Jesus building us up in his, in his body and his blood. So let's... So for what color do you wear for the blessing of holy water? So the blessing of, of holy water right. and salt, for that example, and then also for oil mm-hmm. um, would be, or candles would be white. Okay. Yeah, would be white. Let's see if I could stay inside the frame. Okay. Am I in the frame, Howie? You would, well, we could go yeah. wide. We can go wide shot on this. Well, one. your head is cut off like John the Baptist. <laughs> uh, and that's cool because yeah, Jesus. Let me, let me scoot you down here because Jesus is the, the head, so I don't have to be the head. Here. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Let me move my non-holy water. My ice water. Get it out of the radius of blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made made heaven heaven and and earth. Exorcism and blessing of salt. O salt, creature of God, I exorcise you by the living God, by the true God, by the holy God, by the God who ordered you to be poured into the water by Elisha the prophet, so that its life-giving powers might be restored. I exercise you so that you may become a means of salvation for believers, that you may bring health of soul and body to all who make use of you, and that you may put to flight and drive away from the places where you are sprinkled every apparition, villainly turn of devilish deceit, and every unclean spirit adjured by him who will come to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly implore you in your immeasurable kindness and love to bless this salt which you created and gave to use of mankind so that it may become a source of health for the minds and bodies of all who make use of it. May it rid whatever it touches or sprinkles of all uncleanliness and protect it from every assault of evil spirits through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Exorcism and blessing of water. O water, creature of God, I exercise you in the name of God the Father Almighty, in the name of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I exercise you so that you may put to flight all the power of the enemy and be able to root out and supplant that enemy with his apostate angels through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who for the salvation of mankind, you built your greatest mysteries on this substance. In your kindness, hear our prayers and pour down the power of your blessing into this element made ready for many kinds of purifications. May this, your creature, become an agent of divine grace in your service, in the service of your mysteries, to drive away evil spirits and dispel sickness, so that everything in the homes and other buildings of the faithful that is sprinkled with this water may be rid of all uncleanliness and freed from every harm. Let no breath of infection and no disease-bearing air 
remain in these places. May the wiles of the lurking enemy prove of no avail. Let whatever might menace the safety and peace of those who live here be put to flight by the sprinkling of this water, so that the health obtained by calling upon your holy name may be made secure against all attack through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now I pour exercise salt into the water in the form of a cross. May a mixture of salt and water be now made in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. spirit. Let us pray. O God, creator, unconquerable, invincible King, victor ever glorious, you hold in check the forces bent on dominating us. You overcome the cruelty of the raging enemy, and in your power you beat down the wicked foe. Humbly and fearfully do we pray to you, O Lord, and we ask you to look with favor on this salt and water which you created. Shine on it with the light of your kindness, sanctify it by the dew of your love, so that through the invocation of your holy name, wherever this water and salt is sprinkled, it may turn aside every attack of the unclean spirit and dispel the terrors of the poisonous serpent. And wherever we may be, make the Holy Spirit present to us, who now implore your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us be at peace. I mean, this is just absolutely consoling. This this exorcism prayer over water and, and salt, whenever I pray it, is just I get overwhelmed with consolation in the same sense of what St. Teresa of Avila was sharing with us. So it's just really, really special to be able to share that share that with uh with all of you out there our brothers and sisters you know what a joy to be able to have this ministry um i'm grateful to god and humbled that you know god has brought us together uh through digital means that god has brought ryan delacross and ryan shield and howard into my life howie come on to the frame too my brother um you know it's the ministry of Bishop Estevez who called me uh, to this to this type of an effort. So I'm very grateful to him and grateful to God that we can connect in this beautiful way. So, you know, ask your priest for for holy water. You know, there many churches are closed down. I, I had a, a conversation with somebody who had suicidal ideation uh, a couple of months ago. They were in the throes of darkness. Their family fell apart, divorce, uh, a baby of their grandbaby went blind. Um, there was a lot of darkness in in their life, and uh, the person was suicidal. And <clears throat> I expressed to him, you know, go to the church. He's like, the church is closed down. They don't have masses. I said, go call the call the rectory, ask for holy water, go to confession. There is no more powerful exorcism than confession, and go home. And I said, and sprinkle holy water everywhere in your house. From that moment, I mean, he was suffering for weeks, and and he was considering ideas. From that moment he was dispelled of darkness and he's doing much better now. There's a lot of people suffering out there and holy water can be a consolation. So we pray that that consolation may enter your home through the ministry of the priests. And remember that you have the authority as well over those that God has entrusted to your care to bless your children, to bless your grandchildren, and most certainly to bless your Godchildren, which is a responsibility of a Godfather or Godmother everywhere. So it is our responsibility to express to you our sincere prayers. Please continue to pray for us as we continue this good work through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.